because you're jumping back into the gut. Oh, let's hey, go. Coach. Welcome to the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. I appreciate you joining us for this week's podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit basketballimmersion.com for more coaching resources and access to all the basketball podcasts. I hope you will give us a shout out on social media, on Twitter at Bball Immersion, or on Instagram at Basketball Immersion to help me continue to share the game. Enjoy the episode. Coach is super excited today to have Adrian Griffin with us. Coach Griffin is currently an assistant coach for the reigning champion at NBA Toronto Raptors. In total, he has been an assistant coach with five different organizations. By all accounts, he is one of the top assistant coaches in the NBA and on his path to becoming a future head coach. Coach Griffin, thanks for uh, sharing the game with us. Oh, thanks for having me on, Chris. I really appreciate it. Big fan of yours from afar, so I'm glad we got to connect on this. Well, grateful for that and uh, excited to dive into this topic. And we haven't talked enough, probably just pure about the process of developing and refining a coaching philosophy. So I wanted to start you with this. A famous sport researcher and contributor to coach education, Rainer Martins, has this quote about philosophy. The coaching philosophy you live is a reflection of you. You own it. So to me, it starts with this question to you. Why are you coaching? That's a great question. And, and uh, it's something that I've had to tweak and revisit a couple of times throughout my uh, coaching career. And uh, I retired from playing basketball in, in uh, 2008 and got immediately into coaching. I was fortunate to be offered a job right away. And, and at the time, to be honest with you, I didn't know why I was coaching. If I was speaking truthfully, it was because it allowed me a transition, a post-playing career. I had no idea what I wanted to do. So when I was offered the coaching job, obviously, you know, I was smart enough at the time to know that these jobs don't come along often. So I wanted to jump on it. I knew I wanted to stay close to the game. But as I've been able to coach, and I've been fortunate to, to be a, uh, a coach in this league uh, for 12 years plus, you know, I've, I've really had the time to really define why I wanted to coach. So it went from, you know, post-career, finding a, a, a new avenue to really identifying why I wanted to coach. And, and that's to impact change and to change lives and especially of our players. One of my just beliefs or values that I, I tried to live by is that Uh, better people make better players. So I'm more concerned about the character of our players when I work with them, getting them to think correctly, because that's going to transfer over to the court. I know that there's a lot of coaches, you know, I've had a ton of coaches who, who only focus on the X and O's, but, you know, I've really learned from working with some phenomenal players that really help shape my philosophy and if you coach long enough you you know that players really teach you more sometimes than what you teach them and and what I've learned is, is that when you pour into someone else's dream and if you're excited and enthusiastic about someone else's dream it always comes back um, a hundredfold to you so I make you know a conscious effort of, of trying to reach people from the inner work from the inner 
and then the outer always takes care of itself. It's great. I'm excited to dive a little bit deeper into that, uh, this sure. concept of the inner and everything else. But maybe like at the time when you transitioned from player to coach, like to me, I think that's a huge compliment that somebody wanted you right away to be on their right. coaching staff. Did, did you take it so? Or did you have that moment to be able to reflect and say, hey, this is a great reflection of me as a person? Well, in 2008, that year uh, before I, retired obviously I was in I wanted to keep playing like all you know all professional athletes it's hard to hang it up but at the time when I was playing for the Chicago Bulls they were playing the younger guys and you know it wasn't a rebuild but we were kind of focusing on our youth and and so um, I had two choices I could either have gotten uh, bitter and resentful and and became a, a problem or do what my, my father has taught me is just to, to uh, you know, adversity is the opportunity to show your character, show what you're made of. So I began to just work with the younger guys uh, when I could. And, and because I wanted to, I, I, lo- I love those guys. You know, we had Lou Aldang and uh, Chris Duhon, Kirk Heinrich, uh, Ben Gordon, to name a few. And they were awesome guys. And, you know, I just wanted to, you know, contribute to the team. And so whatever bit of knowledge I had as a veteran player, I just wanted to share it and pass it on to them. And so Coach uh, Scott Skiles and his staff kind of recognized me just going out of my way to to really make this thing work for, for the team and put the team first. And uh, Scott Skiles told me whenever I retire that he would have a job for me. And he was true to his word. I got traded to... Seattle and then Seattle moved to Oklahoma City. Then I got traded from Oklahoma City to Milwaukee. Coach Scott Skiles uh, got released from the Bulls and he took the Milwaukee Bucks job and we we were reunited. And I went all the way through training camp and I thought I made the team. (laughs) And he called me at 2.59, which was uh, three o'clock was actually the cutoff date for the roster. And so he called me at 259 and told me he had to let me go. But he said, why don't you join my staff? And I took a couple of days and thought about it. And you're right. It, I do believe it was, it was a reflection of not just me, but it was a reflection of all the values that my father taught me growing up because he, he was my role model. You know, he's not, no longer here with me, but he taught me some important values and principles to live by. So that one thing did make me very happy to believe that my father was still living, even though he wasn't there, and that I was able to be here where I am today because of all those values that he taught me. That's oh, tremendous. And you can tell that very, very late in your career, you start to develop that servitude to the game, which I know reflects through in your philosophy from what you've said already. But I'm imagining, again, you developing your coaching philosophy as many people. It all starts with reflection. So what yeah. made your favorite coach your favorite is a question that I like to ask coaches. Well, my favorite coach, and I've, I've been fortunate to be a part of just – tremendous Hall of Fame coaches. I played for Big Don Nelson in Dallas, you know, the most winningest coach of all time in the NBA, a phenomenal mind for the game. Rick Pitino, 
Jeff Van Gundy. I mean, the list the list goes on. PJ Carlissimo, Scott Skiles, Avery Johnson. Now, I, I've been fortunate. And, and from a coaching standpoint, I've been under Tom Thibodeau, Scott Skiles again, Billy Donovan, who taught me so much about that type of servant leadership, the way he took care of his staff. And, and then now I'm with uh, Coach Nurse, who's a brilliant mind on both sides of the ball. So I've been fortunate and I've been exposed to tremendous coaching. However, I think the one coach that has had the most impact on my life as far as from a coaching philosophy is my uh, CBA coach, Tyler Jones. And just to give you a, a bit of background and put this in the context, I did not get drafted coming out of college. And I spent three years in the CBA trying to ch- chase that dream of being an NBA player. It was there where, where I learned, you know, sacrifice and hard work. And my coach, Tyler Jones, would work with me every day for an hour before practice and an hour after practice. And just watching how he was just so un- – gave of himself so uh, unselfishly, to, not just to me, but to the other players that wanted to work. He was always available, all, always accessible. And uh, I remember one time it was during a game and it was at halftime. And I, I wasn't playing that well at the time. And uh, a couple of my teammates were getting a little frustrated at me. And so they kind of lashed out at me at halftime about me sharing the ball and allowing them to, to do more. And in front of everyone, the head coach said, he didn't say Adrian is my guy, but Adrian is the, the leader of this team. He is our go-to guy. And we're going to put the ball in his hand so that he can make our team better. And he, he stood up for me. And I, I never forgot that how a coach – can uh, impart that type of belief and trust. And I went on to that season and the following season, I went on to play with great confidence because I knew the coach believed in me. And that belief is so critical as a coach, that coach-player relationship. And those you know, three words, three or four words, I believe in you, are so powerful. And there's something that I share with my players. You know, I tell them that I believe in you. I know that you can do this. And you can see it in their face, you know, when they truly believe that you are vested in their goals and their dreams and you want to help them to achieve those goals. Um, you, you can build a, a relationship with a player that, that becomes not just in the moment, but become, becomes a lifelong type of uh, relationship and commitment. So Tyler Jones, is, I learned a lot from him and just as far as the – that type of uh, commitment that you make to a player outside of the X and O's. Well, that's great. And it obviously speaks to that time of your career too, where someone like that was so impactful as well. And uh, maybe let's, before we even get into your philosophy a little bit more specifically, give people a perspective when you get interviewed, whether it's a assistant coaching job or a head coaching job in the NBA, how detailed of questions do you get about your philosophy? Does it go into pretty extensive detail? Well, I believe, yes, it does. Your coaching philosophy is everything. You're basically presenting to them who you are. Like, who is Adrian Griffin? You know, who is Chris Oliver when you 
And sometimes they know a little bit about you. Sometimes they know a lot about you. But you're going to have to go in there and articulate who you are as coach and, and as a person. So when you're developing your coaching philosophy, in essence, you're, you're really coming up with values that say, this is who I am, or a belief system of this is who I am. And most people think that coaching philosophy is about the X and O's. That's more of an offensive philosophy, a defensive philosophy, you know, whether you say we're, we're going to push the ball to the baseline or we believe in ball pressure, whether that's your defensive philosophy. And, and obviously your offensive philosophy is, you know, we want to play with space and, and pace and, you know, the seven seconds or quicker, whatever. That tends to be the X and O's part. But what they really want to know is how you're going to lead, you know, and Coach Kerr, Steve Kerr, he really gives a, a, a great example of, of how he, that's how he was presented when he wanted to to coach the Golden State uh, Warriors. I believe he went out to uh, Seattle and sat down with with the coach there, and and they asked he asked him what how are you going to coach the team? And he started to get into the X and O's, but he said, "How are you going to make people feel when they walk into the arena into the practice court?" And I think that's the the big picture that you want to take. You want to, how are we going to conduct ourselves every day when we come in to the gym? And what are the, the beliefs and, and the morals and the guide? You know, your values act, act as guidelines of how we're going to behave as a unit because everyone's going to have their own philosophies and beliefs and history. You know, they're going to, everyone brings that to work. But just like on the court, you can only have one game plan. When you step into the building, you can only have one type of game plan where everyone's working together. So, you know, your your coaching philosophy can consist of many things, but I think it depends on the emphasis that you, you want to take as a coach. You know, it could be player development. It could be winning. You know, it could be uh, self-improvement. Or it can be, you know, at a younger stage when you're talking about kids, you want to make it inclusive and fun. I would say on the pro level, I think it's all of the above. You know, obviously winning is a premium in this league. You have to win. You have to produce. It's a performance type of league. But I think we're shifting. Uh, you're starting to see a shift where what we call the soft skills are coming into play. And that's how, we, you know, how we treat each other, how we make each other feel. So going into that coaching philosophy, you want to have something – ready to present to them as far as how you think and you believe, but yet you want to be open as well because no one knows everything. You can't, it'd be false for me to try to go into the interview thinking that I have it all figured out, but you do want to have a basis of how you, you want to run the team. So um, doing this quarantine actually has been great because I've been able to really take my time and identify who I am and how I would like to, to coach a team. Hey coach, just a brief interruption of the podcast to hear from one of our supporters. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners over at betonline.ag. The sports world is slow making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in late July, but right now UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play and BetOnline has the best odds lines for their upcoming games and matches. Need more? 
Bet Online has simulated an NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devote gamblers to check out. Bet Online also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Now back to the podcast. Well, I can't wait to talk a little bit more about that too. And your transition into coaching and through your coaching path so far, what are some of the things, how have you personally worked to develop your philosophy? Because again, like in the intensity of an NBA season and the focus on doing your best job you can yep. as an assistant, how, how are, what are some of the things that have helped you kind of shape this philosophy as you go through? I've been fortunate to really be under, like I stated before, be under some really uh, tremendous and awesome coaches uh, and, and also to be a part of the NBA for the last 20 plus years. So when I started to really think about my coaching philosophy and where to start, I, I began to, to think about my playing career and think about the coaches who got the best out of me and why and how they made me feel. And I think that's so important. I think uh, just being a foreign player has helped me to, to really empathize. You know, that's really important. You know, when obviously uh, emotional intelligence is an a, a important buzzword nowadays, and I would agree with that. It's, it's, it's very important. And I think uh, learning to empathize with your players is so beneficial to you as a coach because it's, it allows you to know what to do next. And if so, if you see a, a player struggling with his confidence, you, you could put yourself in his shoes and, and that's going to allow you to give him what he needs. You know, maybe it's a word of encouragement or maybe it's, it's uh, accountability. You know, is, is, he, is he working hard enough? So I started there as a player and just trying to identify some of the values and, and the strategies that some coaches uh, took on me to to allow me to reach my full potential. And then, you know, again, you know, just being under so many awesome coaches from my uh, coach, from a coaching standpoint, you know, being with Coach Thibodeau for five years, you know, coming into coaching with Scott Skiles for my first two years, you know, he's big on an accountability, uh, playing hard, you know, the hard work, doing your job, same with uh, coach Thibodeau. Um, so they, every coach that I've been under has really shaped my philosophy. So what I did, what I just, I just went down the line and I said, well, okay, what did I, I learned from Scott Scouse? What did I learn from coach Thibodeau? What did I learned from Billy Donovan? What did I learn from coach nurse? So, um, man, it, it was really, uh, eye opening and inspiring type of, reflection because I, I I'm the type of guy that I, I I make I keep note after notes you know uh, every uh, stop that I've been on uh, in the NBA as far as from a coaching standpoint you know I, I I have folders and folders of just notes so going over all those notes you know took me down memory lane and I was really astonished about a lot of the nuggets that you know, I was able to accumulate over the years. So I started there, you know, as a player, as a coach, and uh, it allowed me to kind of formulate what I believe is the, the basis to my coaching philosophy. 
Yeah, that's great. There's no doubt everyone will want those notes now too, coach. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's great. I mean, it is such a time for reflection and everything else. And you talked about uh, going through this process and tweaking it. We're going to come back to that, but maybe let's start from the beginning here. What is, why is a coaching philosophy so important for you? I think the main reason is because it gives you a blueprint how to make your and base your decisions. And I think as coaches, you, you, you know, number one, I think you really got to be a very sensitive to the changing of, of time as far as how we, how we coach and what we say. And then I think, too, the players want a relationship more than ever. I remember as a player, the coach never said anything to me outside of really cussing me out about what I needed to do. But outside of that, I, I never really had a relationship with them. And I think uh, these players, I mean, have you heard just saying that they don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. And so I think that's very relevant to today's coaching uh, philosophy uh, as far as building these relationships with the players. So taking that time to really determine how you want to approach on the court and off the court is, is just is very critical to not only the team's success, but your success as, as a coach. And I think the coaches that really take the time, and you could tell, you know, I was with Coach Thibodeau for those five years, and he had a humongous <laughs> notebook of just his coaching philosophy. And he was always prepared for every situation. And I, I know for a fact that was due because of all the pre- preparation that he uh, took into creating his coaching philosophy. You know, there was never a, a time when uh, we were caught off guard. You know, he knew how to handle every situation. That doesn't mean he was always right, but he always had an answer. And he always tried to give a adequate and effective answer. And the players respected him for that because they knew that he was prepared. If you listen to a lot of the his former players, the number one they, thing they, they talk about is his preparation. So again, that, that taught me a lot about, you know, my um, ability to go in to an interview and being prepared of, about what I believe in. Do you, do you feel like having said some of these things, do you feel you would have been an even better player if you had been coached with more of a focus on soft skills, that's not to throw coaches under the bus who coach you, but just to say from a philosophical perspective, would you have valued more of that within your playing career? Well, I think a hundred percent. Yes. Only because reason why I say that is because we are, we are all human beings. I, I think across the, the, the board, I think people are going to respond better to, you know, love, care, and acceptance than, you know, being ridiculed and de- demeaned. And, and look, that, that was the coaching style. That's like, it was, it was nothing personal. Uh, every player would tell you growing up in that era, that, that's just the way coaches coach. You know, they felt like they needed to break you down to, to build you back up again. Um, However, again, we we live in a different time and, you know, society is different and uh, 
you have to be able to change with 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 those times. So yes, I, I I'm the type of person that you know I responded probably better to, more to uh, uh, encouragement, maybe more you know pat on the back. You know I, I probably is one of those players you, that you would label a uh, pleaser. You know you wanted to please a coach. So I didn't respond well to being yelled at or cussed out. But, I, I, you know, some coaches will argue that it makes you tough, and it did. It, it, you know, growing up for me, like my, my high school coach never uh, cursed or yelled or raised his voice. My father was a minister, never cursed, yelled, or raised his voice. So when I went to Seton Hall with P.J. Carlissimo, you can imagine – you know, the change of environment for me and, and how difficult it was for me to, to adapt. But in saying that, uh, once I got to the league, because I had PJ, I was, I, I developed some a thicker skin. You know, I was able to, you know, take a licking and keep ticking, sort of speak. So, but could that have happened regardless? Uh, I don't know. Um, but I, my coaching style is, 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 you know, I'm not a yeller. You know, I would rather hold you accountable with uh, our values. And one thing you probably hear me say often is that let, let your values be the, the bad guy. You know, when you come in with a set of values and, and you hold players about, uh, accountable to those, all you have to do is go back and say, okay, this is what we agreed upon. And I think it's important to get the buy-in from the players up front and ask them, you know, what is it going to take for us to be a good team and reach our full potential? And they'll tell you, you know, they'll maybe they'll say, uh, you know, hard work, uh, unselfishness, uh, communication, whatnot. And anytime that a player is not displaying those values, you know, you you have the right to to confront them and hold them accountable and say, this is not what we agreed upon. These are the values that we all uh, agreed that we would abide by. And, and it, you know, everyone has skin in the game then. And, and I think that's, to me, that's the better way to coach when you let the values do your talking for you. Yeah, it's, it's really good stuff. And um, segue into values here, which again, just, simply to understand i mean values are the foundation of the philosophy it's where you spend your time and energy are yep. you okay if we take coaches through some of your values to give a perspective sure. on the things well again you know your values and your coaching philosophy is going to change often um depending on every experience but your core values tend to remain the same and so i, I probably would start with my, my core values and again, you know, I was raised in the church. My father was a minister. So my core values are tended to be rooted, you know, from a more religious, spiritual standpoint, you know, from the Bible, if you will. So my first one would be be faithful over a few things or be faithful over the little things. And, and then you will be re rewarded with much more. Uh, like I mentioned before. You know, when I didn't get drafted out of the, the CBA, my father was actually really instrumental uh, in helping me not throw in a towel because I wanted to quit. I wanted to give up on my dream. And he basically taught me that, you know, 
control what you can control. You know, even though I was in the NBA, I was in the CBA where it gave me the opportunity to work on my game. You know, that was what was presented to me at the time. And I could complain and murmur and, and play the blame game. But I was faithful over that and allowed me to uh, make the NBA and have and, and, and play for nine years. And like I said before, when I got into coaching, you know, I could have been bitter, but uh, that I wasn't playing, but I kept a great attitude and I was faithful over what was handed to me and it allowed me to get into coaching. And I could tell you story after story of how that has impacted my life. And so that's one of the, the lessons or the values that I pass on to uh, my players. You know, if you're not playing, okay, what can you control? Control what you control. Be faithful over showing up every day with a great attitude. Uh, be faithful over your conditioning and your preparation. And we all know, you know, in the NBA, in 82 games, you're going to get an opportunity to showcase what you can do on the court, but it's going to be contingent upon you being prepared. And that preparation starts with having the right mindset of, of kind of not falling in, into the self-pity, but taking on the responsibilities that are right in front of you. So that's, that would be number, number one. Number two for me would, again, this has a kind of, biblical kind of tone to it but it would number two is do unto others as you would have them do on unto you so as a coach for me what that means again is is the you know the empathy that we show for our players and our co-workers you know treating them with the respect everyone wants to be treated with respect love care acceptance i think having that strong sense of belonging and making players feel valued i read something that said that we should make our players feel value, even though they're not the most value. You know, a lot of times the attention goes to the star players, your MVP players, you know, your Dirk Nowinski's. <laughs> you know, I, I was fortunate to play with Dirk and he was an awesome guy. But then you have the role players that, you know, that sacrifice, um, just as much in a different way, Tom Thibodeau used to say, the, the, your roles are different, but the work is the same. You know, uh, everyone has different roles and you have to brace, embrace them and accept them. But the work is, should be the same for everyone. That's to show up uh, with the right mindset uh, of putting the team first. So that would be number two. And, and then lastly, number three for me, uh, as far as core values go is uh, what a man sows and what a man reaps. And that, that just, to me, that's the accountability part you know, of just showing up and being truthful to yourself, you know, looking yourself in the mirror and saying, am I doing everything that I possibly can to help my team win? Or as a coach, you know, am I being the change that I want to see? You know, because a lot of times, you know, we we hold as coaches, we hold our players to a, a high standard. And we got to know that we have to be that change 
You know, if we're demanding excellence, are we working hard ourselves? You know, one of the challenges for me is just to stand, stand in a good conditioning as a former player, you know, and, and I probably never will reach uh, the NBA type of uh, conditioning that I once had. But I have to hold my myself accountable that I got to get in the gym. I got to work, you know, uh, because the players see it, you know. And so if, if you put a little into something, you're going to get a little bit of, out of it. You know, if you if you invest in relationships and you put everything into those relationships, those relationships will come back. Um, and I've relationships that you there's always – uh, tend to come back to you, good or bad. If, if if you put a little into those relationships and you don't value people, um, sooner or later it, it catches up to you. So what you sow is is what you uh, reap across the board. It, great, great reflection of your core values uh, and great understanding of that. And then from from those core values, what what do you go into next in terms of your philosophy? Because obviously those those are your foundation that directs everything else. So how much do those or what are some of the things that those things influence next for you? I think the, the number one thing is is bringing those values to life, you know, to put action between those values. I think uh, one of the greatest examples that you can use in sports, especially in the NBA, is uh, the, the culture that um, San Antonio has, has built over the years with, with Greg Popovich. You know, he has his three core values. Um, one is, is to pound the rock. You know, so he talks about coming in the gym every day with, with the right mindset to work, to get better. And, and, to, and another one of his is leave the ego at the door. I mean, if you just did those two things alone <laughs> – I mean, you're going to be ahead of a lot of your competitors, but, you know, uh, ability alone won't get you there. And I always say the the formula for success is ability plus coachability equals success in this league. And Tim Duncan would always uh, approach the uh, season, the offseason as a rookie. And um, I think that was really reflective on on how – the type of leadership and, and, and mindset that he had. And, and that's a big reason why they, they were winners of five NBA uh, championships. Um, because, you know, the ego gets in the way a lot of times from coaching. How many, think about how many times as, as, as coaches um, you want to correct a player, but you, you, you're afraid of how that, that player is going to respond. So you withhold that correction even though you know it's going to help that coach or may help that player. And so um, leaving your ego at the door, you know, to me that's a very powerful uh, uh, value uh, for any organization. And then the third one that he uses is uh, fill the cup, um, which he describes as uh, making deposits back into your players. So he's notorious with – holding these dinners for the players and, and ordering wine, you know, some of the most expensive wines and inviting the players, families and friends and, and taking the time to pat them on the back and encourage them. 
because as coaches, we're always when we're holding them to a higher standard, we're making withdrawals from them. We're asking them to give us something, and so it's important that we give back to them. You know, refill their cup. So, you know, again, your values are are important, but what's more important is putting action behind behind those. So when when you're creating those um, values, it's important to add an action statement to those values, not just saying um, hard work. Okay, what does that mean? What is hard work? Uh, that means to showing up and giving maximum effort in the drills, you know, in, in the weight room. And so when you really are, are clear with your values and you're able to articulate them uh, as a team, the players, um, they know what's required of them. And it's hard to hold people accountable if they don't know what they're supposed to be accountable to. And so it's important that you really identify those values and, and, and really put action behind those. Well, it's such a great point about action steps. And, you know, the other thing that obviously shines through with what you're saying is these are not just your values, but also the values that you want your team to embody. For sure. I think, uh, one of the most important practices in, in creating team values is getting the input from, from the players, you know, asking them what is important for our team, what is very, what's the most important things that we need to do as a team and how we need to behave to be successful this year. And especially when you get to this level in the NBA, you know, these players, they've been around basketball their whole lives. They've been around some phenomenal coaches that that uh, from some credible uh, institutions, either college or high school. So they know uh, from a basic fundamentals uh, standpoint of what goes into win- winning, and they'll they'll be able to articulate that to you. And and when when the team and then when the players have uh, some skin in the game, um, that's when the ownership really starts to uh, take off for that team. And, and that's the beauty of sports. When when you get that 100% buy-in from the players because they believe in what you're doing uh, and they believe that they had a, you know, some input into um, their own um, destiny, so to speak, um, good things good things happen. I, you know, I take Coach Nurse um, winning a championship last year you know, he, he did a phenomenal job of just getting the buy-in from the players from day one, from Kawhi, you know, to Mark, to, to Kyle Lowry. You know, everyone was, was on the same page. And uh, Coach, Coach Nurse, he worked hard. You know, you don't get to see that um, except behind closed doors, you know, the counts, countless calls to the players and, and the small conversations, the side conversations. You know, all the, uh, you know, the nuances that it goes into getting uh, 15 professional athletes um, to, to buy into one common goal. It's, it's such an interesting part of it, too, which is like often when we talk about developing a philosophy, we also have to consider what are some of the things that are going to challenge that philosophy the most. And right. As a youth coach, for example, parents. 
as a pro coach, what are some of the things that challenge your philosophy the most? Obviously, you just said players. What else? Well, I think it's a lot of outside voices. You know, I think the number one thing uh, for, you know, I've never been a head coach in the NBA, but again, I've been a part of the NBA for so long. There's a lot of pressure to win, you know, and win now. And, you know, you can easily, um, what's the word, to jeopardize your your values because of the pressure um, to win right now. And, and, and you, you see it. Um, coaches, you know, they sign a three, four-year uh, deal, but after year one, they're let go, you know. And so um, sometimes it's tempting to, to uh, uh, go for the wins and, and kind of compromise some of, of your, your values, you know. Uh, for instance, may, maybe you have a player that you know is, is uh, a bad apple, but because he can put more points on the board, you're going to tend to uh, put up with him and, and, and keep him around when you know that the best thing to do is to let him go. So, you know, it, it's, it's many things that coaches have to confront, you know, and it, it's not easy. Uh, being in that uh, head coach seat uh, because of the pressures to have those uh, immediate results right away. So um, you really have to be convicted to your values. And if you're not, the you know, people around you, they see it, the, especially the players. The, you know, the players know if you're convicted. If you come in and you're talking about, you know, unselfishness and commitment and then a player doesn't, um, display that, but you you tend to look the other way. Um, they see that and they pick up on it, and, and it's a sure way to lose credibility. So before you do this, you gotta you gotta really believe that you know if I go down, it's gonna go because I believed in these values. I was convicted to these values, and I'm talking about your core values. I'm not, you know, obviously you have to be flexible as a coach. You know, they're just certain things especially when you're dealing with your star players, they're going to have a little more leeway. And, you know, we all know that. I'm talking about the, the core things, you know, just about the respect factor of showing up on time and doing your job. Uh, you got to be able to stand your ground and be convicted on these things or uh, eventually it, it, it'll catch up to you and, and you know, bite you in, in the rear end. Hey coach, just a brief interruption of the podcast to hear from one of our supporters. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners over at betonline.ag. The sports world is slow making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in late July, but right now UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play and BetOnline has the best odds, lines for their upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated an NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devote gamblers to check out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Hey coach, just a brief interruption of our podcast to take time to tell you about one of our supporters, 
manscaped.com. Ow, damn. Those are the screams I used to make when I would cut myself shaving before I knew about Manscaped. Thank you, Manscaped, for turning my loud shrieks into multiple peaks. Coaches, it's great to be able to share a product that I've used. I can confirm that manscaped.com works. Men start taking notes because Manscaped accidents are finally a thing of the past. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks tugs. This is their third generation trimmer featuring advanced skin safe technology so you keep your bad boys nice and smooth. The Manscaped engineering team obsesses over technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience and they spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water-resistant technology allows you to shave in the shower too. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. You need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair, A-R-M-C-H-A-I-R at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. Your balls will thank you. Now back to the podcast. Can you talk a little bit too? Again, I think your career path and your coaching path makes you a great person to talk about this because I think often misunderstood in coaches forming their philosophy is that not every player is playing for the same reason. Is that a fair comment? And can you talk about how you address that? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think um, if you talk to 15 players, you're probably going to get 15 uh, different uh, answers. However, um, it's important that you do take that time to sit down with each player to get to know them, uh, get to know that their their motivation, motivations for getting up in the morning and, and uh, being subjected to putting their body through so much uh, stress and, and being away from their family. So you want to ask them, like, All right, what do you want to get out of this? What are, what are your what are your goals? And when you listen to them. What's that? What that's going to do is allow uh, the scene to be open, so that you're able to share with them your goals and, and the the uh, goals for the team. A lot of times, the players just want to be heard. You know, uh, once they're heard, you know, you can all, almost see a weight is lifted off their back. You know, but then you're you're able to say, okay, how can we work together on this so that you know, the team goals are reached as well as some of your personal goals. And, you know, truth be told, that's what a team is about. It's going to be some sacrifices, you know, but a lot of times, again, when you let that player know that at least you took the time out to hear him, um, he's going to be more receptive to what you got to hear. So that respect factor is so important in coaching today. It's just not my way or the highway. And so you're going to have to develop that into your coaching philosophy as far as uh, valuing those relationships. You know, you, you really have to shift from a transactional type of coach to a more of a transformational coach where, you, where you're dealing with imparting 
um, those that time into building those strong relationships. And look, you, you're going to have to be both. You know, you're going to have to be a transactional coach because it's, it's based on performance and results. But you're also going to be ha- have to be that type of transformational coach to bridge that those relationships so that they're open to hearing you. You know, sometimes it really comes down to um, having that relationship intact so that what you communicate to them or what you try to teach or coach them, they don't take it personal, you know, and they know it's coming from a good place. So that that's really uh, shaped my philosophy as far as those relationships goes. You know, again, I took, as I said, I grew up in the transactional type of coaching where you do your job you show up. You know, no questions asked. But now you're going to have to listen to these players. And uh, the, 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 one of the uh, best advice that I've received over the last year or two is, is, is uh, uh, from one of the uh, sports psychologists. Uh, we have uh, Brian, Dr. Brian Shaw and uh, with the Raptors. And I was kind of going <laughs> – tip for tap with this player and I didn't want to budge uh, any, any budge uh, any ground and neither did this player and so we consequently we got nowhere so after practice uh, uh, Dr. Shaw pulled me aside and he said hey you know you're doing a phenomenal job I just want to give you a, a bit of advice and I said I said I'm well I'm, <laughs> I'm open for it and he said you know, give them a grain of truth, you know, and it was almost like an epiphany, you know, that I, I was just trying to, to win and to to have it on, on my way or the highway again. But he taught me that, hey, just give them a grain of truth. Yet I understand what you're saying. You're right. That's a great point that you're making. Um, and then now I've learned to say, especially on the pro level, when you're dealing with guys that may have just as much uh, knowledge and experience of the game as you do, you're really going to have to incorporate um, their input into it. So now I'll say that's a phenomenal idea. Um, let's do it my way first, and then the second rep, let's do it your way. And and I created a win-win uh, situation. So I, I'm constantly uh, reshaping my philosophy uh, season to season. Well, and, and you're speaking to that right there. You're saying the importance of removing your ego from the equation too, which has got to be a progressive part of this. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, what What I've learned though, uh, the more you give, the more you get in return. You know, so you letting go of, of some of those, uh, you know, what I call, you know, false beliefs that if you let go of the power, then – um, you, you won't be able to control the situation. But what I'm learning is, is, is quite the opposite. You know, um, the more that you, you give and the more you input people, the more power that you give away. And, you know, Phil Jackson uh, speaks of this. You know, I'm a big fan of his. Um, not, you know, I don't agree with some of his philosophies, but I think you can't deny um, what he's done for the game of basketball, winning 13 overall championships, you know, two as a player, six with the Bulls, five with the Lakers. So this guy, he he, he was doing something right. 
And, you know, one of the things he, he you know, he, he talks about is, is giving up that power, letting go of your ego, uh, giving some of that to the players. And in return, you, you're going to get uh, greater buy-in because now these players have more skin in the game. And they're, and they're going to work twice as hard on some of the things they want to do because they don't want to fail then, you know, conversely to, to you making them do something. So it, it, it takes give and take. And it, it also takes, you know, being seasoned. You know, you, you got to know when to put your foot down and say, this is the way we have to do it. You know, when you're in the playoffs or you're in the game, you know, in timeouts, you know, sometimes, it's, it's, you know, that may not be the ideal time to ask the players, you know, opinion, opinions. Uh, you're going to have to really, you know, take the reins. You know, Coach Nurse did a phenomenal job of that at times uh, uh, in the playoffs where we, we needed direction. And so he gave us, uh, you know, the blueprint, X, Y, Z, this is what we need to do. But there's times during the season where, you know, maybe it's a practice plan that, you you know, you could ask the players how they feel, what they, they believe, what, you know, what drills do you – want to cover today and sometimes players to say hey we need a day off coach and you got to take their, their input into consideration and because that's going to foster greater buy-in so it's all about having a feel and, and that's why it's so important for coaches not to skip the steps and what what I mean by that is you know I've you know there's been times in my career where I was so in a hurry to be a head coach you know but looking back I, I, I'm grateful for the route that I've taken because uh, it's allowed me to gather a, a wealth of experiences, you know, learning how to deal with just all the different facets of the game, uh, not just the X and O's, but it, it's more about managing those relationships. And so I'm fortunate for the route that I've taken because it really opened my eyes on, wow, it's it's not about the X and O's. I remember the first interview that I went into, I, I, I believe I was interviewing for the Philly job, maybe eight, nine years ago, and I took <laughs> my big notebooks uh, into the interview process of, you know, my defensive uh, philosophy and my offensive philosophy, and I thought that was what it was all about, you know. But little did I know, you know, they already know. when Basically, when you go into these coaching interviews, they know you can coach, right? They, they, they probably have handpicking you from – a winning program, so they know that you you have a great feel about what it's going to take from a strategic, technical uh, type of, of viewpoint or approach. What they want to know is is can you lead? Can you manage people? Can you manage relationships? And again, that's where your coaching philosophy comes in, um, as far as um, what makes you. Um, a right, the right leader for our program. And you answer that question with going in with a um, really bona fide type of uh, coaching philosophy. Yeah, it's great. And it's, it's, again, you keep coming back to that all the time, but I also want to highlight because you mentioned this, that it's also something that you can tweak. It's a living document, right? It breathes. Yeah. Can you talk about those changes a little bit that you kind of have instituted even a little bit without, you don't have to say specific examples, but that you've gone through changes in this document? Oh, for sure. Um, I, again, I think it's the experiences that we go through 
as coaches, if we allow ourselves to be open to those experiences and again, uh, not try to skip the steps or the, or rush the process, but every, every opportunity that you have as far as with a player uh, is going to allow you to really shape and hone that your philosophy. And, and I, I'll give you a prime example with, um, you know, Jimmy Butler. Um, I had Jimmy as, as a rookie and, you know, at the time, you know, Jimmy had a lot of confidence and rightly so. He was very talented. But, you know, anybody that knows Coach Thibodeau, he, he just didn't play rookies. You know, he, he was a veteran type of coach and, and he would play ver- veterans uh, 48 minutes before he threw a rookie out on the court. And that was very difficult for, for Jimmy to grasp and, and to take and accept and so he, he he often would let you know let me know his uh, his displeasure about that <laughs> in a certain kind of way. So he was he was very challenging in the beginning of our, our relationship. And then on the other side of that equation, you know, Coach Thibodeau was, you know, he he's a demanding coach and uh, he's about hard work and performance. And so he was kindly uh, persuading me to get Jimmy up to speed so he, that he could play him. And, you know, I'm going into my third or fourth year of coaching, and I, I realized that, man, I'm not prepared for this. You know, you know I just thought that, you know, the, a player just showed up <laughs> like I did, and you did whatever the coach told you to do, and all was well. but it was probably the first time that, you know, I was presented with a, a type of situation that I didn't know how to handle. I didn't know how to get through to, to uh, Jimmy and I didn't know how to raise his game to a certain level where, you know, that would be acceptable to, to coach Tiff's standards. So um, I was in my office one day and I was kind of feeling the pressure, you know, you, you, you know, from a player development standpoint, you know, there's pressure to get these guys better, you know, and, and that's our job. And I felt like I was inadequate at my job at the time. And so, you know, I'm I'm in my office during working hours and I closed my door and I just started to pray. And I said, Lord, I need some help. I don't know what to do. Um, I'm kind of getting uh, attacked from every angle and, and I could use a little assistance. <laughs> and what I sensed, in my spirit was to the to read i kept hearing that over and over read read and i was like read and then it finally dawned on me that the answer is out there i just have to find it and so what i proceeded to do for the next 48 hours i ordered almost every book on amazon uh, on coaching on building relationships on sports psychology on player development i mean i really dove into this you know completely and i started to research on on how to develop players not just from on the court but after off the court and how to build those relationships with jimmy how to talk to him how to communicate with him and so i learned some valuable lessons during that stretch and then you know uh Four years later, and I'm not taking credit for this, but four years later, Jimmy Butler, um, 
he received the most improved player of the year. And, and during his speech, um, he said that, you know, one of the coaches that had a profound impact on him was Adrian Griffin. And that really made me feel good, you know, that I got in the trenches with him. I was able to develop as a coach first to help him. And, and a lot of times, you know, that's what this is all about when you're talking about your coaching philosophy and your values. It's about you continuing to strive as a coach, how you become better and better at your craft. Because if the players can't get better unless the coaches are getting better. So I've always remembered that lesson. You know, when, when I'm going into a practice, is all right, am I prepared? Am I being the best? And you'll hear me say this again. You, you have to be the change that you want to see. You know, I always kind of live by that Gandhi quote. You have to be the change. You know, if you want players to live to a certain standard, then you're going to have to challenge yourself. You're going to have to push yourself. And, you know, I mentioned how, you know, you, you, the coaches that you're under and, or have been under, they're going to shape your philosophy. But I failed to also uh, add that, you know, reading, you know, th there's a wealth of, of knowledge about uh, out there. If you go into my, my study, I have books upon books. It drives my wife crazy. You know, it's like I'm an addict on Amazon and Barnes, Barnes and Noble. It's like I order a book every day. And that, that's kind of like my fetish. But I enjoy learning. And uh, there's been tremendous books out there um, that have shaped my too many to, to name. But, you know, it, the answers are there. You just got to be willing to go out and get them. I can't thank you enough for sharing that story, which again, really paints the picture of this process and everything that goes with it. Coach, just maybe in wrapping it up, uh, I want to give you, uh, you know, one of the coaches that you worked under or you played for, and maybe give us some uh, idea of something that you adapted from them that is a part of your philosophy. And let's start with uh, Scott Skiles, since he gave you your first coaching opportunity. Well, I think Scott Skiles was, you know, accountability. You know, I played for Coach Skiles and I, I coached under him. And he was – he's big on doing your doing your job. And, and I enjoyed playing for him because if you showed up and you worked hard and you gave full effort, you know, maximum effort, he was going to find opportunity for you to be on the court. So, um, again, he was one of those coaches that are, are very – uh, convicted to their values and he didn't care if you were a star player or a bench player if you did not live up to his standards then you were not going to play Tom Thibodeau Tom Thibodeau I would say preparation you know uh, when you talk about you know being the change you want to see like when when he told guys to work hard he was working hard he was in there you know and I'm not saying every coach has to be in the in there at, at 5.30 to 9 o'clock at night like he was. You know, obviously we have families and other responsibilities. But the players never question his work ethic. And I think um, this that was, you know, he always felt like, you know, when you're not a former player, then you're going to have to find other ways to uh, get buy-in. And he felt like it would be his 
his hard work, his work ethic, because he was asking the players to work hard. And I mean, there were times where I would drive by the practice facility at eight or nine o'clock and I already knew he, he had been in there for, from five thirty, six o'clock and his light would be on, you know, the players used to, to, uh, to go back in the evenings and they was they would look up there and, and Tiz light light would be on and he would be breaking down film. So uh he gained a, a tremendous amount of trust from the players by um uh, just his work ethic and his preparation. So, you know, I took that from him. PJ Carlosimo. I think PJ, you know, just playing for him in college, you know, he he was very competent. You know, one of the things that made me appreciate him later in my life was about the the time that I got to uh, the pros. I can recall a lot of the drills that I was doing or or under uh, Coach Carlesimo in college at Seton Hall. We were doing the same drills. You know, we were doing the same concepts. You know, so he was very competent. You know, obviously he he uh held everyone to a high standard and you had to to know your your job but just being being competent know knowing what drills to do you know um it's not just so much to, to work hard you got to be able to work smart so as a coach you got to be able to know you know especially in the pros nowadays you're only getting 45 minutes to an hour max uh, of practice so you got to make your your practice plans of quality and you got to know what you're doing in a very short time. Billy Donovan. Uh, Coach Donovan really taught me what it means to be a, a servant leader. You know, the way he treated his players and I think more important, the way he treated his staff if you look at his coaching tree, it, it, it's, it's no wonder why many of the coaches that are under him go on to do great things and become phenomenal head coaches themselves. Because the two years that I was there, you know, he really was receptive and open to, you know, a lot of, of my suggestions and, and the other coaches and suggestions. And I would come in there and say, Coach, I want to try this today. And he said, let's do it. And I said, Coach, I, I want to, like, switch it up and, and try to watch some, you know, incorporate some movie clips or into my film uh, and to show the players. And he would say, awesome. You know, he will always encourage us to think outside the box and, and not just do the same thing over and over again. And uh, he always made, you know, his staff feel involved in the process. You know, we would have our coaches meeting. Uh, a lot of times he wouldn't speak. He would just let the assistant coaches talk and, and voice their opinions. And obviously he, he would give his input at the end. But he he was very open, receptive. You know, he, he gave us all a sense of belonging and it made us feel part of the process, uh, not just going along with what he wanted to do. He just wanted to make sure that everyone had total buy-in. So, you know, I learned that uh, lesson from Coach Donovan. Tremendous. And then, of course, Nick Nurse. Well, Coach Nurse, he he's just, 
you know, he's good across the board, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm so impressed with him because, you know, when you're talking about checking the boxes, uh, from an offensive perspective, you could check it with him. When you go to defense on the other side of the ball, he's he just as uh, competent. And then when you talk about the feel for the game as far as, you know, the X and O's and strategies, uh, equally as good. And then I think even his greatest suit is just his feel for the players and, and people. You know, he just knows how to manage emotions. Um, you know, he said this publicly about just having that expectation of of winning, you know, expect to win. And when we won our championship last year, you know, the first thing he started to, to do is he was just an advocate about um, having the right mindset going into the season. You know, he, he said we can win it. And that, that was the first conversation that I had with him. And so I learned about the power of belief um, and the message that you, you constantly have to send to the players because they're getting messages from everyone else, <laughs> you know, from media, from the girlfriends, from the wives, from their best friends, from, the, from their agents. And so as a head coach and as a coach period, you're going to have to come, come back some of those things that they're hearing. So you're, you're going to have to deliver a message sometimes a thousand times over until it's, it's well received. But um, the one thing that I learned from him is that you, you really have to, to address the mindset first, you know, getting people in the right uh, frame of mind. And, and he's a master at that, you know, we, we faced a lot of adversity um, winning that championship last year, and he was able to control the narrative like no other. And uh, the players responded to him. And so as an assistant coach, sometimes you're fortunate to um, cross paths with, with a head coach that is destined uh, for greatness. And I feel like a fortunate, you know, being under – some tremendous coaches and, and coach nurse is one of those coaches that, you know, being on the staff, you know, you're going to be able to reap a lot of the benefits because I mean, this guy's a winner and he knows what it takes to win. Just awesome coach. Thank you for painting a picture of all the different influences and the whole process of developing a coaching philosophy. And, uh, you know, again, it's just such a such a wonderful experience for you to be able to share all this with us. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. And like I said before, you know, I, I really respect what you do for the coaching profession. You know, uh, it's it's important that we continue to move that the coaching profession forward. And I believe that you you uh, uh, play a tremendous part in that. And you know, I just wanted to thank you myself. Uh, honored to have you say that coach thanks again and uh everyone will love this podcast so all right coach take care take care thank you thanks for listening be sure to rate review and subscribe to the show and to give the basketball podcast and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game and to stay up to date on all things basketball immersion subscribe to our newsletter at basketballimmersion.com newsletter